We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time time for Taiwan This Week. Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week, a roundup of the top news stories from around the island over the past seven days. I'm Keith Menconi of ICRT News. Joining me in studio today is Gavin Phipps, also of ICRT News. Gavin. Uh, Good evening. And also in studio today, we've got Jane Ricards of The Economist. Good evening, Keith. Today in the show, we'll be taking a look at KMT Chairman Eric Ju's ongoing trip to the U.S., some DPP politics, including funny business on Chairman Tsai Ing-wen's Facebook page, and the new at-large legislature candidate sheets. But first, we're going to spend the first half of the show once again taking a look at the Mashi meeting and its aftermath. Of course, as we discussed uh, at some length last week, President Ma Ying-jeou and Chinese President Xi Jinping held closed-door talks in Singapore last Saturday. It kicked off with an extended handshake between the two leaders. I believe it clocked in at more than a minute, actually. And then it wrapped up with uh, food and drink. Maybe uh, too many drinks, Gavin, as uh, has been reported in a couple of spots, but we won't, we won't get into that today. Uh, so bread was broken, but as expected, uh, no agreements ca- came out of this. Uh, what has come out from the talks is a fair amount of controversy. Probably uh, the stickiest point being the handling of the 92 consensus, which has earned a stiff rebuke from the DPP. Uh, Gavin, tell us about that. Yeah, this has got complete. Well, there have been claims that when they had their little tete-a-tete in Singapore, Ma Ying Zhou basically said, "Oh, we all agree with the 1992 consensus in Taiwan. It'll now be the stable basis for cross-strait ties," which, of course, led to a bit of a backlash in Taiwan. And on Monday of this week, two days after the meeting, the Mainland Affairs Council Minister Andrew Shah was forced to stand up in the legislature and say, "No, they didn't come to any agreement on the 1992 consensus at all. They simply nodded heads and said, 'Oh, okay.'" It sounds like a good idea. Unfortunately, reports have got out that Ma Ying-jeou did talk about the 1992 consensus, and more importantly, the One China principle. And allegations have been abound that when he was talking to Xi Jinping, he failed to mention the fact that while both sides can agree with the One China principle and the 1992 consensus... Both sides can also disagree on how they see it. Right. Well, and but that's the uh, that actually kind of plays to the administration's favor because the allegations was that they left that part out. Uh, you know, the uh, both sides can have differing interpretations. That was the well, accusation. That's the part they left out. But no, it was in. Once we saw the transcript, we saw that it was. Uh, well, that he was the allegations. Did make the that was the original allegations that he didn't push it too hard either. There was also allegations that he basically cowed out to China on this issue as well. Well, there was going to be allegations like that. <laughs> One thing I thought interesting was that he left out the 1992 consensus in his public remarks with Xi, and the presidential office um, press statement reflected this accurately. But in the statement of Ma's public remarks, which was sent to foreign journalists in English, they added in that he said that respective interpretations, whereas in fact he never had. So the government was kind of tinkering with press releases after the event. Interesting. And of course, there was also the issue of the missiles. Right. Which was another sticky wicket for Ma there, because apparently it was reported after he came back that he basically said, oh, they're not all pointed at Taiwan. Now, I don't know what he quite he wanted from that. Everyone here to go, oh, it's OK, they're not all pointed at us. But, of course, he faced a backlash over not turning round to Xi Jinping and saying, oi, those missiles, move them, we don't like them, and being a bit hardball on it. But he didn't. He just came back and said, I spoke to him about it, and he said they're not all pointed at us. Right. Which is no surprise, because they're mobile. 
They can move them around from A to B, if you see what I mean. So they're not pointed at anyone 24-7. Right, and that that particular issue kind of gets at a broader point uh, that the DPP has been kind of pushing all week. Tying Gwen's main line of criticism is just in general, she would have liked to have seen a harder line taken on a lot of these issues, Ma being more assertive about Taiwan's international space and more assertive about uh, various issues that she thinks Taiwan should be pushing, uh, most especially uh, this missile issue. The other big question, though, following the talks... uh, is will President Ma make some kind of a official report to the legislature or, or perhaps uh, even receive questioning over the trip uh, from legislative representatives? Uh, but, Gavin, so far, no agreement has been reached on that point? No. Now, the KMT want Ma to go to the legislature to report on his meeting with Xi Jinping. The presidential officers said they're willing to do it, but the DPP and opposition lawmakers go, hey, no way, you didn't ask us before you went, so why should you bother reporting to us now? I guess the the thinking kind of being there uh, that if they do hold some kind of uh, question and answer session, it would give some kind of validation to the meeting and, and make it the appearance of approval. That is the DPP's. That is the DPP line. The fact that if they do have a meeting, it validates Mars' meeting with Xi. Of course, on the other side of the coin is whether the KMT would go for the full question and answer grilling session, or whether they just want Ma to stand there and make a statement. Right. Because, of course, he would face some rather tough questions that he possibly might not be able to answer if lawmakers were allowed to question him. Right. My understanding is that uh, this issue of whether or not there is going to be some kind of question and answer session or some kind of report made, uh, that issue is going to be taken up today at the time of this recording. We don't know how that session turned out at the Legislative Yuan. Probably, uh, probably as broadly and as bowdy and as absolutely non-consensus-wise as all the other sessions on this. We can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope. But uh, maybe we'll have something uh, more to talk about there next week. Moving on, though, to uh, the lasting effects of uh, this whole thing. So now that we kind of know what came out of this, I I think we all sort of decided last week that it wasn't so much uh, the content that was important, more the timing of this and uh, who was involved. Uh, But now that we have a clearer idea of what the content actually was, uh, Jane, what, what are your thoughts on what... Uh, the lasting impact might be? Well, yes. I mean, there, there are two sort of common interpretations of the meeting was that it might help cross-strait ties by setting up a channel for communications between the two highest leaders or it won't have any effect because saying when will be voted out. I'm actually leaning towards it might actually increase the likelihood of a confrontation. I still think the Taiwan Strait is extremely peaceful. But on that slippery slope, I think we've just sort of moved a little inch further down. And the reason why is just that the Ma administration is so unpopular and the whole idea of the 1992 consensus is very unpopular. And I've been told by political scientists that um, Tsai Ing-wen just can't accept it to be political suicide. But still, um, a lot of security analysts I've spoken to and even some economists I've spoken to recently were holding out hope that Tsai Ing-wen might give the China some kind of concession once she's elected, mm. to smooth things over. Like, for example, one analyst, one economist mentioned to me that she might pass the services agreement, which I think is extremely unlikely. But mm. I'm just saying that there, there, I think there really was real room for the DP, a new DPP administration in China to reach some sort of... Middle ground. Middle ground or some sort of... China could have rebooted the whole 1992 consensus, mm-hmm. so it essentially me- meant the same thing, but it was in different wording. Right. Um, but and, instead, uh, basically, yes. 92 consensus yes. in its 
the same version yes. that we've been seeing all along yes. that was central to the talks that Which happened on Saturday. Which is detested and also associated with the Ma administration. Mm. Xi Jinping's basically said it's that or nothing. Mm-hmm. And then Ma's agreement to it has raised expectations in China, as you can see by the angry backlash with all the um, – we're going to come to that – all the um, – messages on Tsai Ing-wen's Facebook page and Xi Jinping also I think made a very grand gesture in granting equality in their status and I think both he and China will be frustrated if Taiwan can't respond because they think well we've done so much mm-hmm. and um, it's just the formula mm-hmm. it, it's very unacceptable and so there's no way a new DPP administration or even Taiwan's majority of voters will accept the 1992 consensus so I think it's yeah, it's going to raise confrontations, but it's nothing to worry about. I just think it's sort of another right. inch on the slippery slope, basically. And, of course, there's been several polls out following the meeting. Mm-hmm. I love this headline this week. Half of public sees marshy meeting helpful to cross-strait peace. That means half the public doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we, we did get a little bit of a sense of uh, how the public received uh, these talks. And it, it does, it seems, based on the polling that I've seen, it seems pretty lukewarm at best. Yes, I would agree with that. Like, for example, the latest poll from the Taiwan Indicator Survey Research, I think that's the name, said that um, something like 56 of respondents said that Ma didn't state openly represent their views and only 22% said Ma did. And um, something like 50 to 60% said Ma Ying-jeol failed to defend Taiwan's sovereignty and dignity in his meeting with Xi. So, I mean, Ma did not represent the public. I don't think he represented public opinion. So I think I feel that it might have given Xi Jinping and China sort of false hope. Mm. And I think it's better to have expectations grounded in reality. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. (laughs) Well, we're going to have to end this segment on a bit of a dour note then. Uh, That's all the time that we have for the first half. Uh, When we come back, we're going to pair this serving of politics with a side of politics. When we take a look at Jews' trip to the U.S. and some goings-on in the DPP camp as well. Stay tuned for this second serving coming up after this. Welcome back to Taiwan This Week, ICRT's weekly roundup of news from around the island. I'm Keith Menconi, joined by Gavin Phipps and Jane Ricards. Kicking off the second half, Mr. Jew goes to Washington. KMT chairman and newest presidential candidate Eric Jew took his campaign to the good old U.S. of A. this week. He got there Tuesday, and so far he's met with Taiwan expats, think tank scholars, and U.S. officials. And uh, as far as the talking points go, it's been trade and cross-strait ties mostly uh, so far, Gavin. Is that right? Yes, he said he'd go there and he'd tell America where Taiwan stood on cross-strait ties. He said he'd promote ties with America, economic and trade-wise. And he also said he'd speak and explain to Americans, especially U.S. officials, the significance of the Ma-Shi meeting. But unfortunately, all that seems to have been behind closed doors. Yeah. Which is the issue of the trip. <laughs> there we go. Because, of course, Tsai Ing-wen went there earlier this year, I believe. It was earlier this year or last year? It was earlier this, this year. It was in June. <laughs> it was in June. It was a bit there. of a time warp you just yeah, went time through. Yeah, time warp there, wasn't it? It was earlier this year. There we go. It was in June, yes, as you said, Jane. And, of course, her visit there was very open. There was public yeah. speeches. She went. She walked into U.S. government buildings and walked out of government buildings and said, yes, I just met with some people and we had a great little chat. Eric Chu, no, 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 no. He's just going there and saying, 
We can't talk about who we're talking about to or about what because we've come to an agreement with Washington not to say anything. Uh, well, just kind of looking at this more broadly, what, what, what do you think that – I mean, they say that this is about you know reminding the U.S. that the KMT is kind of a stable partner in cross-strait relations. They'll maintain stability in, in the strait. It's also about uh, you know kind of uh, shoring up support among that Taiwanese expat community over there. What does – uh, Chairman Ju really needs to accomplish over there. Uh, what, what, what is what would make this a successful trip, Jane? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that um, the the rules of the game have changed since Ma met with Xi, and I think that U.S. officials are privately going to ask him a lot about the meeting. And one thing which really struck me about the Marshi meeting as far as the US went was just um, the US has got a sort of public statement that we welcome it, but there are all these rumblings behind the scenes that either the US doesn't want it or it does, which I find is quite interesting, just the speculation about what the real stance of the US is. Mm. They're keeping it pretty close to the chest, yes, which is yes. a good thing. Yes. Um, for example, um, I've been told by analysts I've interviewed that the US won't be happy because, of, you know, with all the tensions in the South China Sea, it looks like Mars getting too close to China. But on the other hand, Richard Bush, who's a former chairman of the AIT, wrote on a Brookings website that Tsai hovered like a dark cloud mm. over the proceedings. So I was sort of almost like saying, well, if it wasn't for Taiwan's democracy and Tsai, everything would be great because obviously <laughs> the US wants to av- avoid a war. So right, right. I find it very intriguing what the US really thinks about this. That- if he met the Laker girls. Oh, that's... You see, that would be memorable. That, that's a, that would be memorable. Yeah, Tsai made it into all those government buildings, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah, but if Eric Jew met Laker the Laker girls. girls and danced mm-hmm. with them and met, held their pom-poms, so mm-hmm. to speak, then it would be a memorable <laughs> trip, wouldn't it? I mean, really... <laughs> This, 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 I can't talk about it. It's like, okay, can't talk about it. You should it. be a campaign advisor for them, Gavin. You got all these great ideas. Pom-poms, mate. Pom-poms. Pom-poms. That's how to do it. All right. So uh, let's see how Mr. Consistent treats the rest of this trip. Uh, when's he coming back? 16th of November. 16th of November. All right. So we still got a little bit more trip to go. You can meet the Laker girls. Plenty of time. <laughs> Plenty of time. We'll have to see what happens. All right. Moving on to uh, our last story for today. Uh, up next... Well, we got another pile of politics for you, uh, but it's a slightly different flavor, this one. Uh, we're moving over here to the legislative races now. Not the presidential race, but the legislative races. Uh, there was actually news from both parties this week concerning the candidate roster for the legislature at large seats. Uh, on the one hand, the DPP is out with their list of legislature at large seats. And on the other, uh, well, we're still waiting on the KMTs, but there were kind of media reports out this week that claimed to have the names. Those claims were met with quick denials from the party, but uh, we'll, we'll have to get to more on that in a moment. First, uh, real quick, before we get into the meat of this, uh, just to get everyone on the same page, when we talk about the legislature at large seats, what we mean is the 34 seats in the legislative UN that are assigned to parties proportionally based on the party vote section of the ballot. Now, once the number of seats is worked out for each party, the candidates that fill those seats is determined by lists written up by the party. So the order of that list is very important. The DPP says it's uh, pretty much guaranteed to get about 16 seats in January. So if you're in 1 through 16 on that list, you're almost definitely guaranteed a seat. But if you're 17 or higher, things start getting a little iffy. Now, this all starts getting really important because, Gavin, the DPP released uh, this list, 
And there are some pretty noticeable exceptions from the top 16. Yeah, Frank Sher, of course, used to be the mayor of Kaohsiung and did run for president some years ago. And of course, Su Jung Chang, who was a very successful and quite popular county commissioner of Taipei County when he was a county. They were both omitted from the list, as I believe was Lu Sholian. There was quite a few serious names missing, but then they put some quite odd names at the top, Jane, didn't they? Well, I wouldn't say odd, but they were certainly in line with Tsai Ing-wen's platform of incorporating civic movements into the DPP's politics, rather than keep civic movements outside the system and have them demonstrate on the streets, as was seen last year with the anti-nuclear protests and the sunflower movement.、Um, for example, the top person on the list is、um, a, a food and safety expert with the National Taiwan University College of Public Health. Then we've got Secretary General of the Federation of the Welfare of the Elderly. Um, and what I found interesting was number five was the Secretary General of the Taiwan Rural Front, which is sort of an anti-globalisation movement and pro-farmers.、Mm. And overall, I thought that this could indicate that we might see an imp- a fairly impractical legislature because we've got academics without much political experience. Kind of anti-establishment figures as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well,、um, I think that a certain You see, the problem with the current legislatures is too much backroom dealing.、Mm. But on the other hand, you don't want to have people who would just can't do it at all. And, well, I mean, <laughs> you need、I'm、a little grease on those、negative. wheels. I'm being a bit dramatic. We don't know. Yeah, you need a little grease on those wheels. Yes, exactly. So, what does it say about where the DPP is at right now、uh, that they chose to take these big names out? I mean,、uh, wh- wh- yeah, what, just what does this say about the state of the party right now? Well, I wouldn't jump to assumptions because, for example, I've heard from one of my contacts that Annette Lou's actually been promised a, a place in the administration.、Mm. So you don't know. What... We may not be saying goodbye to all、yes. these big names. Oh, that would just be to irk China.、Um, I don't know, <laughs> but she, she's going to be Sejong, like、mm-hmm. a. I think that is that minister without portfolio or、okay. consultant to the government, something like that.、Mm-hmm. So, okay, so、uh, more more on that、uh, definitely going to unfold. But、uh, on the other end of things,、uh, there was also a little bit of a brouhaha about the KMT's、uh, list of candidates, Gavin. Well, this all steps back to where Wang Jingping sits on the KMT's legislature at large seat listing. Of course, as you said, Keith, the KMT said we don't have a list. Then a list supposedly miraculously appeared, and someone waved it around, and then the list dis- that list disappeared. And they said, no, 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 it wasn't the list. It was sort of it was we were meeting late, and it was our takeaway order.、Mm. So that all got dismissed. But there's still questions about where Wang Jingping will sit on the KMT legislature at large list, which of course stems harks back. This issue, of course, harks back to when Ma. President Ma Ying-jeou and Wang Jingping had their bit of a public set to a couple of years ago. So, if he was at one on the list, that would be a sign that we were past that. If he's lower on the list,、uh, maybe past sixteen on the list. <laughs> he's、um, that. Yeah, there we were. He's past sixteen. Yeah, he's still out of favor. Still out of favor. All right. Uh, so a lot of Taiwan watchers, lots of folks in the media are eagerly watching how this list thing turns out, but we still don't know. The the at least Eric Ju said that the list that came out from a, a media organization earlier this week, he called it a complete fabrication. That's where was their meal? They stayed late. They got a shot. It was a list for the takeaway. That's yeah, exactly. They were passing around the meeting room. Exactly.、Uh, so he says that they haven't even met to discuss this yet. So hypothetically,、uh, we should get some more details out in the next couple of weeks. So、uh, that, or it's another transparency issue. One of the two. One of the two. Yeah, maybe we won't even know the candidates、uh, on the actual election day. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but we actually、uh, we gotta keep on moving, keep this train moving, because we have even more politics to serve up for today.
this is kind of the intersection of politics and social media for this last one. Uh, on the DPP end of things, looks like Tsai Ing-wen's Facebook page got trolled in about the biggest way you can get trolled. Gavin? Yes, Tsai Ing-wen. Most politicians have Facebook pages these days. And, of course, if you're a politician, you're open to public scorn derogatory remarks and diatribes as every politician knows par for the course basically and if you can't take if you don't like that well get off the interweb basically well tying when got flooded with complaints and abuse apparently from china this week and when you say a flood let's give let's give a number here well about 85,000 comments which sort of ballooned to over 100,000 to 200,000 and then of course there was comments about comments as well yes. there are questions where the comments came from but they are believed to all have all originated in china and of course Tsai took this basically with a pinch of salt and she came out with a great line well, if they are from China, these people that are commenting on my Facebook page, then I hope they enjoy finding out about democracy and freedom and freedom of expression. Kind of taking the high road there. Uh, but, it, you know, it's an awful coincidence that uh, all of these comments materialized at the same time. I mean, it's a staggeringly high number. And it came, of course, after the Marshi meeting, and lots of the comments were saying that she was a splittist, a traitor, a pro-independence hound, and various derogatory things about the KMT's China policies. And, but there, there's, there's some speculation that it may not be an accident that they all came on the same day. Well, weren't there two reports? Um, I've heard there are two contradictory explanations which I read in the media. And the first is that defence analysts, local defence analysts, were saying that um, a Chinese cyber warfare division right. was responsible. Mm -hmm. But another theory was that it was because of a glitz in China's Great Firewall, because of the high volume of traffic on November the 11th, because it's Singles Day and there are a lot of discounts offered for online shopping. So they managed to get through. And the Interior Minister... Chen Weiren, um, he actually sided with the fact there was a glitch, apparently. Well, he said it was a case in which he said that it wasn't a criminal investigation or a public security investigation. He basically said that it was just people expressing opinions on social media. That's interesting. So, the you know, Facebook is normally banned in China so that... Mm. People can get through to Facebook yes. for one day, and that's yes. what they decide to do at that time is yes, uh, it's, attack it's, Taiwan. It's, it's very suspicious. And if the Chinese state authorities are behind it, I'd also say it's the first time that China's actually openly come out against Tsai Ing-wen. But it's okay because the government here said it wasn't anything malicious. Hmm. But Jane, uh, I mean, is this just going to be something that we forget in a couple of weeks? Is this not really going to affect the campaign or, or, or cross-state relations in any big way? Oh, look, it's not going to affect local politics in any way. I don't think Tsai is going to change direction because of these Facebook postings. However, I think this kind of um, is, links into what I said earlier, that it, if, if assuming some of this was genuine sentiment expressed by Chinese netizens, I think that um, I, I really feel that Ma shouldn't have raised expectations in China that there might be some sort of breakthrough, which mm. I think he did. I think that people are going to – people obviously, you know, seem to dislike Tsai more after the meeting because they've seen one Taiwanese leader who's capable of doing things on Xi's terms, so why can't the other leader do it, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. So maybe uh, a little bit of an insight into what the people in China are thinking about this election and uh, how that's changing. Uh, but we're going to have to move now to our final final story for today and uh, unlike usual really not ending out on any kind of thing remotely funny today i uh, in fact it looks uh, like a lot of people come years end gavin are not going to be laughing at all 
asked. Yeah, apparently 52% of respondents to a poll by Yes123JobBank won't be laughing because apparently their companies won't be paying any year-end bonuses come the Lunar New Year. This is according to a poll by the online job agency which showed that 38% of companies who responded to their questionnaire will be maintaining the tradition of paying their workers a bonus and 10% of companies remain undecided. I mean, obviously, Western companies don't give out year-end bonuses at the Lunar New Year. In Western companies, you get your bonus at the end of the actual year, January, February, yeah? But a lot of these workers are counting on this. On this bonus to boost their salary, yes. Yeah, now, they're pretty substantial. Basically, well, it can be three, four, six, eight months wages plus. Mm-hmm. And of course, some companies, of course, are known to give out the latest in BMW cars and what have you and what have you. Anyway, basically, according to this poll by the Job Bank, employees in the property sector say they will be paying smaller bonuses than last year. Companies in the financial, insurance and accounting sectors will be getting bigger bonuses. So they're doing okay. They're doing okay. We can feel good about that. Employees in the biotech and cultural and creative industries are also set to receive higher bonuses this year. Okay, so they're not hurting there for you go. some but reason. But of course, unfortunately, some jobs in the high-tech and old economy sectors that depend heavily on exports will be getting smaller bonuses or no bonuses at all. Ah, uh, okay. So uh, lot, lots of pain all around. Uh, Jane, I, I mean, is just this an, yet another sign of uh, Taiwan's flagging economy or, or is there more to this? Um, yes, I think it's getting back to what we were talking earlier today. I think this just is a sign of Taiwan's over reliance on the Chinese market mm. because most of Taiwan's economic woes this year was because of the sort of um, financial turmoil in China, the devaluation of the yuan, and the stock market acting up in August. Mm-hmm. And um, no one really knows quite how bad the Chinese economy is or how good it is. Um, but generally, the slump this year is due to the Chinese economy. Mm hmm. Uh, and and so that would be uh, maybe a call for more diversification. Yes, I, I would say so. Um, mm. I think that's one of the messages with the slump this year. All right. Well, uh, condolences to all the folks out there that are not getting uh, their year bonuses. Uh, lucky for uh, you and me, Gavin, uh, we never get year bonuses. So uh, this doesn't really affect us. Nope. There In fact, we... not many people I know do get year bonuses. <laughs> Doesn't affect me. <laughs> right. Of course, many years ago, we used to work in the same office, didn't we? Where our yes. boss used to walk around very regally like a mandarin and hand out envelopes to us. Yes, I vaguely remember that. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and there wasn't much in the envelopes. Ah. Yes. <laughs> I guess that it eases the pain for us because uh, never got anything. So uh, just par for the course for us. <laughs> Good news in a way. It depends on how you look at it. Uh, but no matter how you look at it, we are going to have to end the show now. That's it for today. You can send us your thoughts on the week's major stories on the Facebook page or on our blog. You'll also be able to find this program online at the ICRT website and on iTunes. If you are listening through iTunes, please take a second to rate and review the show. Let's us know what you're thinking and helps other people discover the program. Signing off from the ICRT studio, I am Keith Manconi, joined by Gavin Phipps. Yes, good evening, and I don't have a red envelope. Aw, and Jane Ricards, also sans envelope. Good night, Keith. And thank you all for listening. See you again next time on Taiwan This Week. Tune in again next Friday evening at 8.30 for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.